Okay, welcome everyone to Dafyomi one week at a time. Uh, this is our ninth class, our ninth lesson in Masachet Yoma, and today we are going to review uh, Daf fifty-eight through sixty-three. Um, so today we are going to continue discussing the um, the blood applications on the altar inside the sanctuary uh, on the Mizbeach HaZahav, the golden altar. And um, first on Daf 58, we are going to discuss, or uh, it discusses um, after they mixed the blood of the uh, of the bull with the blood of the goat, of the par and the seir. Uh, so the Gemara asks, um, or the, the Gemara in 58 states that they put uh, the the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would would put the empty bowl uh, or the full bowl inside the empty bowl, um, and then the question is, um, can the the Kohen can the priest do the application or the service while holding two vessels at the same time? Meaning, the vessel that has the bo- the blood is not the vessel he's holding. He's holding the empty one that is on the outside. Um, so the Gemara asks, on a regular day, can you receive the blood with one vessel inside the other? And uh, the, the, the real question is uh, what's called min bimino, right, with two items that are of the same, um, of the same um, material, are they considered um, um, are they considered an interruption? Uh, again, because it is the same material, one would think that really he's just because he's holding uh, two bowls, they're the same type of bowl, and maybe uh, that would be okay. So again, uh, the question is, if you're holding one bowl inside the other, uh, and since they are similar materials, is it considered an interruption between what he's holding and the blood that's in the full blessing, uh, the full vessel? Um, so uh, the, the the Gemara on Da fifty eight says that it seems that when uh, that you're looking at the fact that on Yom Kippur, the fact that the Kohen Gadol is holding one vessel inside the other, that proves that on a regular day it is also okay. And then the Gemara says, no, uh, that's not what we mean. Uh, rather, and, and, and to, re, to understand it completely differently, when we said that the high priest takes the blood of the, the bull and, and pours it into the blood of the uh, goat, and then he puts the full vessel inside the, the um, empty vessel, the Gemara now suggests, no, that's not what's happening. He basically mixes it very well, but he's only holding one vessel. And therefore, um, it is not considered, uh, we don't know if uh, holding two vessels, one inside the other, is considered an interruption, a chatzitza, or not. Uh, so the Gemara says, oh, let's, let's try another case. What if uh, the Kohen, uh, we know that the Kohen needs to be barefoot in the temple, meaning his feet need to touch the ground. Um, what happens if he stands on a vessel that's on the ground? Is that considered an interruption or not? Um, the Gemara says, no, that's an interruption. 
What if the Kohen stands on the foot of another Kohen? Uh, again, here we have the same idea. Um, it's one foot on top of another foot. Since there are similar materials, right? They're similar things. Uh, maybe it's not considered an interruption. Uh, the Gemara says, no, it is a, an interruption. Um, okay. Um, then the Gemara says, wait a minute. Um, again, if we're going to say that the Kohen Gadol uh, is stacking two vessels, again, we're on Daf 58. Uh, the question is, um, maybe, uh, the question is, could there be that you're doing one service with two vessels? That seems to be problematic. Um, so the Gemara continues and discusses this idea about um, interruptions between the surfaces of a vessel. Again, the word in Hebrew is chatzitza. Chatzitza is an interruption, something that interrupts two different surfaces. So um, the Gemara continues and asks, what about if you put a reed? Uh, in the Gemara, the reed symbolizes something that is, um, I guess, porous. And therefore, uh, the Gemara discusses it usually in the cases of going into the mikvah. Uh, we know that you're not allowed, you need to be naked. There can't be anything on your body. Um, there are cases where, the not on this stuff, but in general, where the Gemara says, well, let's say you have, um, you want to bandage an area, you could bandage it with a reed because it seems that this reed was porous and the water would get through and therefore it's not considered an interruption. Um, so the Gemara asks, what if you have a reed in the basin that you're collecting the blood? Um, and then you, you, again, you collect the blood. Is it considered a chatzitza? Is it considered a separation? Or maybe it's porous, so therefore it's okay. Um, so the Gemara says, well, let's look at para aduma. So uh, this is very good as a reminder of uh, a few weeks, I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, we, we discussed the para aduma, the red heifer. Uh, and interestingly enough, it is going to be next week's uh, Parshat Shavua. We're going to read it uh, in Shul next week. So this is a nice, uh, a nice um, uh, kind of chazara, um, a review for us. So the Gemara says that the water that was used for the paraduma for the red heifer, needed to be what's called ma'im chayim, again, water from a spring. Um, what if there's a sponge in the in the basin of the water? Um, so um, um, the again, if there's water in the sponge, that water is already not. Um, and you can't use the water that's in the sponge. Um, so uh, again, here the here the Gemara says, well, water is different, right? Blood is much thicker, so we can't learn from blood to water. Um, or maybe we say the opposite: blood is liquid and it will flow through, but not if let's say we're doing the kmitza. Remember the the picking up of the flower that needs to be in a basin that does not have any interruption. So maybe, again, if there's blood for the, the blood service, that would be okay, but not for uh, the flower service. Um, okay, Lynn is asking, ah, the wood platforms that they stood on, um, that is an excellent question. Um, there, is a, there was a discussion in Psachim if it's considered an interruption or not. Um, it could be that... Um, 
that it would have been an interruption and they needed to be on the floor itself. So I think that that was a machloket over there, um, if you could use those platforms or not, um, maybe because it may be only at certain points and not other points. So it's an excellent, uh, excellent question, Lynn. Um, let's go to the next Mishnah and I have some pictures to show you. Um, okay. Let me open the chat box. Okay, excellent. So uh, we now have, um, okay, here are our pictures. Um, we are going to be discussing the application on the golden altar. Again, the Mizbeach HaZahav. This was the altar that was inside the Heichal in the sanctuary. You can see in the background of this picture on like the middle back right, uh, you can see the, the Shulchan, uh, the the uh, the the table that had the showbread. Um, so just to give you an idea where we are, um, this was the altar. You can see the black. Those are the coals uh, where we put the incense, the ktoret. Um, okay. So the Mishnah on fifty eight tells us that he now goes. Ah, so just to let's let's review for one minute. If you remember, we did uh, the the service in the Kodesh Hakodashim in the. Holy of Holies with the, the Aron, the Ark. Uh, he put the blood, he sprinkled the blood of the par, of the bull. And then he went out and went back in. He sprinkled the blood of the goat, of the Seir, Lahashem, the one that was going to God. Then he went out and he sprinkled blood um, in front of the, the curtain, the parochet, um, that separated the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the, the sanctuary from the inner sanctuary. He sprinkles um, the, the blood of the, the bull. Then he takes the blood of the um, goat and he sprinkles the blood of the goat. And now this is what we're up to now. We mixed the blood together. Now we have one uh, basin with the blood of both the goat and the bull. And now we're going to do an application onto the um, the golden altar, the Mizbeach HaZahav. So the, the Mishnah says that he goes to the golden altar and he's going to place, as you can see here, he's placing the, the blood on the altar, not sprinkling, right? Everything we've done till this point was sprinkling. If you remember, we discussed last week, one up, seven down, that was sprinkling. Now he's placing the blood on the altar and he's going to smear it down. Um, the, the, the Gemara is going to explain he's going to smear it down as opposed to up so that he it doesn't drip down his, his hand or his sleeve. So he's going to, spr he's going to smear it down. Uh, the Mishnah says he starts in the northeast corner. So to remind ourselves, especially from this view, um, the, when you walk into the temple or into the sanctuary, um, the the Kohen is walking from east to west, which would see which which means that to his right is north, to his left is south. So you can see here um, the 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 first application is in the northeast corner that's closest to him. Uh, then you go. Um, then he's going to go counterclockwise: northwest, southwest, and then southeast. And the, the Mishnah adds that when that the place that he ends is actually the place that he's going to start outside 
in the, the regular altar, which we're going to see in one minute. If you can think about again, and, and I'll show you the picture in a minute, think about this altar. It's almost a, a miniature replica of the altar outside. Um, but if you remember, for the, to get to the altar outside, there's a ramp, right? The ramp goes from south to north. So when he gets up to the um, altar, the, the first corner that he gets to is the southeast corner. Uh, and then he's also going to go around counterclockwise. Um, here, he's going to get to the northeast corner first. So he's going to go around the other way. And the Gemara is going to compare the two altars. Um, Okay, um, then uh, the, the, the Mishnah tells us that the Kohen is going to stand in his place and just place the blood on the different corners. Um, he doesn't walk around, as opposed to, right, obviously in the big altar outside, he must walk around because it's much, much bigger. Um, there is going to be, we'll see in a minute, there is going to be an opinion that he walks around this altar as well. But uh, the, I think the halacha is that he stood. Um, and uh, the Mishnah and uh, the Mishnah then says that all the other applications are um, up upwards, um, except for the first one, which is down. Um, okay, the next, then the ne the next. Uh, oh, one second. Um, okay, then here. So here you can see the picture where he goes north uh, northeast, and then all and then around the uh around the um around the Mizbeach. here is just so i can here i'll show it to you this way actually so you can see it together uh you can see here on the bottom you have the picture of the regular altar of the altar outside much bigger the Mizbeach was 32 amot much larger um and you can see here how it's it's quite um parallel um okay and then uh the mishnah continues and tells us that, hold on, wait, so here you can see the applications um, that he, again, he stands and he go and he applies on all the other corners. Um, okay, and after he finishes applying on the other corners, um, he then sprinkles um, on top of the altar. So you can see that here in the picture, um, he sprinkles on top and the leftovers of the, um, the leftovers of the blood. One second. Oh, sorry. Make this over. Okay. Uh, the leftovers of the blood get poured on the base, the foundation of the altar. This is called the yisod, the foundation, um, and that is is on the western side, as you can see, right on the side facing the sanctuary. Um, that is spilt, uh, the rest of the blood spills there, and then it flows out from the drainage pipe, which is called the Amma, and then out of the temple courtyard. And then this blood was sold by the temple treasury to the farmers to use as fertilizer. Um, the Gemara says that if you stole the blood, meaning if you didn't pay for it, that is called Me'ila. As we've mentioned previously, Me'ila is uh, the the term for basically stealing from God. Um, um, so uh, that is uh, that that is an issue. Um, excellent. Lynn asks, um, isn't he getting burnt from the hot coals? Yes, there are hot coals uh, on the altar, 
Um, it could be that he is, I guess, not the way this picture shows. Uh, I don't think he's putting his hand over the coals. I think he's going, you know, kind of on the side and then again on the side on the other side. So correct that uh, it, it would be dangerous to reach over. Um, okay. The Gemara says that he, um, the Mishnah had said that he goes out to the golden altar. Now, the golden altar is also inside. So what does it mean he goes out? So the, the Gemara explains that, uh, as we said, he, the, the high priest was standing by the curtain, which was further all the way in. Uh, so going out means he walks in all the way to the other side of the room, well, halfway through the room, uh, and goes to the front of the Mizbeach, right? He doesn't go from behind the Mizbeach, but rather from the front of the Mizbeach. Um, um, okay, the, there is a difference of opinion if, um, as we mentioned, um, oh, here it shows you the drainage holes for the foundation. Um, but uh, the, okay, hold on. Uh, here there is going to be a difference of opinion. Uh, as we mentioned, the Mishnah talked about starting at the northeast corner. That would be the bottom right on this picture, and then he goes around uh, clockwise. Or the Gemara mentions that there's another opinion, which is that you start from the southeast corner, and then you go clockwise. Um, so that is Rabbi Akiva's uh, opinion. The question is, what is the machloket? Why are, what, what's the difference of, of opinions? Uh, and the, the Gemara says that it's basically, which corner is he getting to first? We know that you don't want to skip a corner, right? We're always going to, and we see this over and over again in the temple, uh, we're going to want to do the service as soon as possible. So with, the question is, is he coming basically from the north side or from the south side? Um, and uh, then the Gemara learns at the bottom of 58 that uh, all, and we, we have mentioned this before, every time you do a service in the temple, you should always turn to the right. All the time, you always go to the right. Uh, that is learned from the Yam Shel Shlomo. Uh, I think I showed you a picture once of the big basin of water that Shlomo, King Solomon, built uh, in the temple. It, it sat on 12 uh, bulls. And basically, it was three, 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 and three. Uh, they were each facing north, south, east, west. And from this bright we see that you always talk about the right first, right? You always go to the right. Um, okay. Um, Daf 59. Uh, again, as we mentioned, as, as I mentioned, uh, there's the question is, do you walk around? Does he walk around the altar or does he stay in the place? Um, again, uh, that is the Mahluket on 59. Um, okay, right, again, because he has to go saviv, he has to go around. So does it mean that he physically has to walk around or is it enough for his, um, for his hand uh, to go around? Um, okay, um, here, uh, the, the question is that you have, ah, okay, so the Gemara talks about, um, again, putting the blood on the altar um, and um, when he puts the blood on top, again, it says on the purity of the altar, on the tahara. Uh, what is that? Uh, the, the Gemara discusses that it is the, the top of the, the Mizbeach. He has to move the coals um, and put the, the, and he puts the blood or sprinkles, he has to reveal the top. And then he sprinkles 
um, the blood on it. Um, okay, then we mentioned that you pour the leftovers uh, onto the western side of the uh, foundation of the altar. Um, the, the Gemara mentions that in general, I think that was the picture that we saw here, um, in general, they would put it on the south uh, side. It's interesting, this picture has it like this. I think in the art scroll, um, it shows that the foundation actually wraps around the, the southern corner uh, just a little bit. Um, here, for some reason, the picture isn't like that, but I think it was more that it wrapped around because it needed to be on the south side. Um, so uh, the Gemara says on, on 59 that in general, the, the leftovers were spilt on this, the southern part of the foundation. Uh, but here uh, for Yom Kippur, it was placed on the western side. Um, again, as I mentioned, the same idea here um, on Yom Kippur, when he comes out of the sanctuary, the first uh, place that he he reaches is the western side. The same thing when when uh, during the year when he cut or during right during a regular day when the kohen comes down the the ramp, the first side that he gets to is the southern side. So as we said, you're always going to want to do the service as soon as possible. Um, okay, uh, then we said that. Uh, the blood gets all mixed into the drainage pipe, uh, and that goes out. Uh, and the discussion here is, um, is there me'ila or not? Again, is it considered um, temple property um, or not? Uh, the Gemara says, again, the Mishnah said yes. Uh, the Gemara seems to imply it's only rabbinically considered temple property, um, and then, um, right, meaning uh, biblically, it's not really temple property. But we, uh, again, because the, the God says that the blood is lachem, it's for us, for atonement. And therefore, um, it, it really is considered ours or maybe not, meaning we're not allowed to use it until um, um, we buy it. Uh, then the Gemara goes into a discussion. Wait, um, we are going to get atonement from this blood. And then the question is, afterwards, isn't it considered ours or is it considered, again, God's or a temple property, right? So um, the, the, at the bottom of 59 and then on to 60, the Gemara says, right, there's no, there's no such thing as ilah as temple property or stealing temple property after you've already received atonement, right? Then it would make it ours. And the Gemara says, no, well, what about the trumatadeshen? If you remember the ashes that were taken off of the altar, that's the trumatadeshen, there is considered mi'ila, it is considered temple property or gods, um, even after the service that is done with it. Um, Gemara says, no, 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 this is, um, they're basically going to be two exceptions to this rule. One is the ashes. The other is the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. We have mentioned this in passing, that the clothing of the Kohen Gadol um, after Yom Kippur needed to be, I guess, either hidden or put away um, because it could not be used afterwards. Um, and these two exceptions, uh, just the, the rule in the, in the Gemara is, um, two exceptions to a rule or, or two uh, ideas cannot be 
used uh, as a uh, to make a general category, right? In in Hebrew, we say shneik tuvim habaim kechad, right? Shneik tuvim habaim kechad ein melamdim. We don't learn a general category just from two, uh, and therefore, since we have two, uh, again, the the ashes and the clothing of the kohen gadol, we can't say this about everything because it's only two cases. Um, okay. Um, the, the Gemara continues on Duff 60, um, talking about the blood, uh, that becomes a matir. It becomes, uh, something that permits other things. Again, once the blood is sprinkled on a regular sacrifice, then the, the meat could be, uh, consumed, uh, the limbs can be burnt. Um, and therefore, um, b- this blood cannot be, um, it, it's basically excluded from the idea of pigul. Pigul being wrong intention, right? If you do a, a certain service with the wrong intention, it invalidate, invalidates the sacrifice. Um, and and here the Gemara continues on Daf 60, that all the services of Yom Kippur must be in order. Okay, so from now, now we're going to discuss the order of the um, of the services, and what happens if you do something out of order? What do we do? Uh, so the Gemara says that if you did something out of order, you have to go back and basically put it back in order, right? Go back to where you messed up and then continue. So what happens if the blood spills before you finished sprinkling? So then you have to bring a new animal, and then here's the question: Do you restart? all the way from the beginning, or um, are there other places that you can, that you can start again? Um, so the Gemara says, um, basically, um, each, uh, each place that there's a sprinkling is its own category. So if you're in one place and it spills, so then you have to go back and start from just that place. You don't have to go back all the way from the beginning of the um, of the entire service. So let's go through it. Um, so let's say if you're so, what are the three places? Right, Kodesh Hakodeshim, the all the way on the inside, the Hechal, the Kodesh, and the um, the application on the Mizbeach Hazahav on the golden altar. Each one of these are considered separate uh, atonements. And therefore, if you finished one completely and then it spills in the middle of the next one, you only have to go back to the beginning of that section. You don't have to start from the beginning. Um, Another opinion is, no, you don't have to go back at all. Let's say you're in the middle of sprinkling, right, one up. And then instead of doing seven down, you did three down and then the blood spills. You 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 uh, slaughter another animal and you pick up exactly where you left off. You know, achad ve'arba, achad right? Ve'chamesh. You keep counting from there. Um, so that is going to be our machloket for the next few dapim. Do we start from the beginning? Again, the beginning of that section, or you pick up where you left off. Um, again, is it that it's going to now be out of order, and therefore it doesn't count, and you have to restart? Or again, each section is separate. Um, the the 
are here on 60 makes a distinction that maybe only the services that are done in the white clothing, again, the, the special Yom Kippur services, those have to be in order. But the other services that are done in the gold clothing, that could be maybe done out of, of order. Um, again, the verse says when discussing the, the Yom Kippur service, it says, um, um, right? It needs to be uh, again in this order, um, and specifically on this day. Um, okay, um, okay. The, the Gemara now asks, right? If the if you did the blood service, so then, um, you got atonement, or maybe only if you finished everything. Did you get the atonement right again? Um, what about the the leftover blood that gets spilled on the uh, um, on the foundation? Is that considered out of order or not? Right, when, part of when is it? I guess we would say completed. When do you actually get the atonement? Um, Okay, so the Gemara says, let's go, we, we've been talking about the blood service. What about the Ktoret service, right? Uh, remember we talked last week about Chafina. Chafina was the, the um, taking up of the incense with both hands. What if he did that out of order, meaning before he slaughtered the, the bull? So then is that, is that a problem or not? Uh, again, that's a machloket. Some say, right, one opinion says it is problematic. The other says it's not problematic. Um, so the Gemara says that there are necessary steps, even if they are done, again, chafina is done outside of the sanctuary. It's not inside the sanctuary. So maybe um, this is considered a, um, I don't want to say the word less important, but maybe uh, it's it's less important if it's done in order or not. Or we say no. Everything must be in order, and, and therefore it is not considered valid. Okay, we're now on Daf um, 61. Um, let's talk about the slaughtering of the, 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 again, he's supposed to slaughter the bull, the par, and then he slaughters the goat. What if he switches the order? What if he slaughtered the goat before he slaughters the bull? So then it doesn't count. He has to go back and do it again. Uh, because it has to be in order. Um, the Gemara now says that each service uh, atones for a different sin. Um, and it's interesting because we would think, especially when we we pray on Yom Kippur, we talk about all these different sins um, that we've done. But interestingly, the, the Gemara talks about um, the types of sins that are going to be atoned for uh, in all of the applications inside the sanctuary, those are going to be for um, sins of impurity. And I mean physical impurity. Uh, again, tumat mikdash is the phrase. Uh, and that is if you forgot that you were impure and you entered the, the temple courtyard, that is problematic. Uh, that is uh, a sin. And therefore, we need to atone for those sins. Um, so the Gemara says that um, uh, or you were pure, but then you became impure in the temple courtyard. You touched something that was uh, that was impure, and then you didn't leave right away. So you were standing in the temple um, while being impure. Um, it's interesting because 
I think for our modern times, we don't really understand this uh, this um, this sin. And interestingly, um, this is what we're atoning for on Yom Kippur, that we brought impurity into the sanctuary. Um, and therefore, right, there's applications in the um, in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the inner sanctuary, the Heichal, the Kodesh, and then again on the Mizbeach. So the, the Gemara says that there, um, um, it, it basically brings a verse and each word is going to refer for, to a different place in the temple and how you get atonement in each one of those places. Um, and then uh, the Gemara says that the Seir HaMishtaleach the 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 goat that we're going to send out, which we're going to talk about a little bit more in a few minutes, that goat that's sent out, that atones for all the other sins. So it's interesting, I think, uh, for us, we're usually so focused on all the sins that we've done. We've spoken Lashon Hara, we didn't, uh, uh, whatever, it, all the sins that we do on Yom Kippur that we think about, we don't think about impurity because it's really not in our uh, consciousness uh, at the moment, because we don't have the temple. But interestingly enough, most of the atonement that's done in the temple, I guess it, it does make sense, right, is atoning for impurities in the temple. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, <coughs> and then um, the goat that was sent out. <coughs> excuse me, um, that was going to atone for all the other sins um, for B'nai Israel, for the Jewish people. The Gemara continues on 61 and tells us that the bull, <coughs> the atonement, the vidui, the, the prayer that the Kohen Gadol does on the bull, um, that was going to atone for the um, all the other sins for the Kohanim, for all the priests. Um, so again, as we see here, each section atones for something else. And therefore, um, as we, we mentioned before, if there's an interruption in the middle of one of these services, you only go back to the beginning of that section, right? So if you did some of the sprinkling in the Kodesh HaKodeshim and then the blood spilled, you don't have to, you just start over that section and then you keep going. Uh, but if you finished, um, the blood application of um, of the inner sanctuary. You do not have to go back to that. Uh, oh, hold on one second, please. Uh, one minute. Sorry, I think my computer is about to die. I will be with you in one second. One minute. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, that even looks nicer. Um, okay. Sorry about that. So, um, on. Uh, so we were talking about the. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so we were talking about if it spills in the middle, you just have to go back to that section. 
Um, okay, so now the Gemara asks, if that's the case, then it seems that if you're bringing another animal, one might think that it's two animals that you're using. There are two chataot, there are two sacrifices, um, and we can't have two. And therefore, one of to start, um, you have to start um, over again. Um, and now the Gemara is going to go through um, different um, different services that have nothing to do with Yom Kippur, different services that have different sections and see and ask the same idea. So we're going to now discuss the Mitzorah, the Mitzorah who is um, the leper in, in order to finish his um, his purification process. Um, he needs to bring an asham. He brings a few uh, sacrifices, but one of them is an asham. And he also brings uh, a log of oil. This oil is going to be placed. Wait, so first the you do the asham, the, the sacrifice, and the blood of that sacrifice is placed on the, the person's right earlobe, his thumb, and his toe. And then, um, and then he takes the oil. The oil is sprinkled seven times towards the sanctuary. And then it's, the oil is also placed on his ear, his thumb, and his toe. So as you can see, it's interesting. It's, it's a similar idea that there's a blood application. Here it's on the, on the person himself. Um, and then there's the sprinkling, and then there's the oil application. And, and again, these have to be done in this order. So what happens if there's an interruption? Um, so again, the Gemara says on 61, if you started sprinkling and then it spilled, so you need to start from the beginning of that section, or again, as I mentioned, you can just pick it up as, from where you left off. Um, what happens if you finished everything and then it spilled. So then you don't have to start from the beginning because whatever's left over uh, is considered leftover. And then um, you just um, you don't have to uh, do the last step. The last step actually was the leftover um, oil that was in the hand of the Kohen was actually placed on the head of the leper of the Mitzorah. And the Gemara seems to imply that it does not have to be done, meaning if it spills before that, you don't have to start from the beginning. Um, okay, what happens if they slaughtered this uh, sacrifice? Again, we're still with the leper, with the mitzorah. What happens if um, it, it was slaughtered uh, with the wrong intent? Um, it's still brought, but it doesn't count, meaning it's invalid, and the, the, the mitzorah has to bring it again. Um, or, right, again, or another option is it's valid enough that it's brought, but it doesn't count as atonement for the, um, the, the mitzorah, and therefore he's messed up. And now since we mentioned this, the Gemara is going to talk about other services or other uh, ceremonies that need to be done. What if they can't be done? Do we say, well, it can't be done and therefore we'll do our best and then the person gets atonement and continues with his life? Or do we say, oh, it can't be done. So now there's no, in the Gemara it says, there's no takana, there's no fix. You can't fix it and therefore he's basically stuck. So let's see those cases. Um, the Gemara brings up a Nazir, right? The Nazarite, as someone who takes upon himself 
um, to be a Nazir. Uh, and one of the things that he has to do is he grows his hair for the, the duration of being a Nazir. And then uh, the ceremony that he does in order to finish is he has to shave his head. Okay, what happens if the Nazir is bald, right? He can't shave his head. So what do we say, right? So it's actually Machloket. Beit Shammai say, no, he needs to shave his head. And we're going to see what that means. Uh, they're, they're basically going to be, uh, so Beit Shammai says he needs to shave his head. Beit Hillel says he needs to shave his head if there's hair. If there's no hair, so he doesn't need to shave his head. Now, there's two ways to understand what Beit Shammai means. What does it mean he needs to shave his head? So one option is they actually take a razor, I guess gently, and like go over his head, I guess ceremoniously, but just as, a, as part of a ceremony, not because they have to shave anything. Or the, another way to understand this is, no, he needs to shave his head. And because you cannot shave his head, he is now going to be a Nazir forever. He cannot get out of uh, being a Nazir. Um, the same thing with the Mitzorah, the leper. Uh, remember we said you have to put the blood on his thumb. What if he doesn't have a thumb? So what do we do? Again, is he messed up and that's it? He, he can't, you can't do anything. Or do you put the blood in the area where the thumb would be, right? We, we can't do anything. Or maybe on his left hand, the Gemara suggests. Um, Okay, uh, since we're talking about the Mitzorah, we're going to, the, the Gemara at the bottom of 61 tells us that they took the blood um, with their hands, right, as opposed to in the vessel. Um, again, because we're going to apply it on the ear, so the blood had to be in the, in the, the priest's hands. Um, but then the Gemara says, wait, we need, <clears throat> we need the blood to be in a vessel to put it onto the altar. So the Gemara says, you're right, there were two Kohanim, there were two priests. One received the blood in his hand to do the ceremony, and the other received the blood in the vessel to do it, um, to put it onto the altar. Um, okay, now the Gemara says that all the, the sacrifices whose blood spilled, those need to be burnt outside of the temple, uh, in the Beit Hadeshin, in the place where they put the ashes. Um, and so they took it out. And the person who 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 burnt them, uh, the who burnt the, the 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 sacrifices, his clothing would become impure. Um, and uh, then the question is, what if the blood spills in the middle? So now we have multiple animals being uh, either used or sacrificed. Um, do we say that this rule applies to all of the animals that were used, or only to the last one? Uh, and, and um, okay, so now the, the top of 62, yesterday's uh, daf, we're going to talk about um, the, the two goats. Remember, we had two goats, and we're going to see it in the Mishnah in a minute. They needed to be identical. One was Lahashem. We already sacrificed it. We did the blood uh, applications already. Now we have the Seir Azazel, the one that's going to go out. Um, this, there can only be one. Therefore, if you needed to bring new animals, so then all the other animals that were brought needed to get killed, there's only one that was sent out. And then the question is, which one? Is it the first one? So let me just take, it, take a step back because we're going to say it in a minute in the next Mishnah. But basically, as we mentioned before, these goats were brought in pairs, right? There's one pair uh, you, and you're supposed to 
do what you're supposed to do. Let's say the blood spilled. So now what do I do? I have this uh, goat that's going to go out. But remember, if this blood spills, I need to bring another goat. So we bring another pair. So now I have all these other goats around. What do I do with them? Which one is considered the goat that's going out? Azazel? Is it the first one or is it the last one? Um, so that's the machloket in our Gemara. The Gemara says it's better to use the first one, the original goat that got, remember, the lot that said on it, um, La'azazel, that one is going to go out, um, and that will be the real one. Um, okay, so uh, the, the question is, uh, the, the Gemara here brought up Masachat Psachim. Remember, we talked about in Masachat Psachim, let's say you had your Korban Pesach, and then um, it got lost. So now you brought a new one, but then you found it. So now you have two animals. Um, which one is the Pesach, right? So in Pesachim, we said, right, could it, it could be any one of them, or it needs to be the first one. Again, as we mentioned, it's always better to do things with the first, as we mentioned in the corner of the altar. And with that, we finish the fifth chapter of um, Masechet Yoma. Uh, and now we're going to go to the next Mishnah. Uh, hold on. Okay. Um, the next Mishnah is, oh, okay. Not, it's not this yet, but we're going to go, we're going to talk about the two goats, as I just mentioned, and how they have to be identical in, in appearance, in height and in value. Um, however, um, if not, they're still valid, meaning it's better for them to be identical, but if not, they're still valid. Um, and even if you bought them on the two separate days, they still are um, okay. Um, what if one died? Again, we have two. What if one died before the lottery? So then you have to get another one. But if one died after the lottery, now you have to bring a new pair. As I mentioned, once they become designated, I keep doing this because the picture showed how he picks up the, the, the lots. Um, right? But once the lots were drawn... Um, they are now designated this pair. Um, so if what, something happens to one, the other, again, kind of hangs out and you have to bring another pair um, to do continue the service. Uh, and then you have to do the lottery again, figure out which one is La Hashem, and then you can sacrifice it again um, and start the, the, um, the process from the beginning. Again, um, either... The other one dies, or you wait till it gets a blemish and then you sell it. Um, but that is, we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, so again, the Mishnah says that if the one that's Lehashem for God, if the blood spills, so then the its pair dies, right? But and the same thing, if if the one that goes out dies, so then you have to spill the blood of the other one, right? They're intrinsically linked. Um, so the Gemara says that we learn this from the verse that says you have to take two goats. Again, goats is plural. Uh, it could have just said take the goats. We would have known that it was two. Why does it say two goats? Uh, and the Gemara goes through um, understanding the verse that they need to be alike. But if not, right, goats and two, they have to be alike. But if not, they're still valid. Right, and it says the word goat twice because it says twice. It's still valid, even though um, you they they were not identical. Uh, and it says two 
three times over and over again, right? And therefore, um, you might have thought that they must be similar. The Gemara says no. The fact that it said goat twice means to tell us that um, even if they were not identical, they are still valid. The Gemara takes the same um, structure of understanding the verse for two other uh, ideas. Again, the excuse me, the mitzorah, the, the person who had um, leprosy, um, he needs to bring two sheep. Again, it says the same thing, two sheep. Again, I guess in English it doesn't work, but kvasim, you know that kvasim are plural. So why did it say two? The same idea. They should be alike, but if not, it's okay. The same thing with the mitzorah, he has to bring two birds. The same idea, two tsiporim, two birds. Uh, they have to, they should be alike, but if not, it's okay. Um, then the Gemara says, well, maybe um, for the Korban Tamid, it also says you have to take two every day. Remember, morning and night. Um, maybe they also have to be identical. The Gemara says, no, we need that for the mitzvah, the idea that when you slaughter the, the Korban Tamid, the daily sacrifice, they need to be what's called Keneged Hayom, right? Opposite the day, but it really means opposite the rays of the sun. And you can see here on the picture, um, again, we, let's orient ourselves. Um, I personally like when the pictures are north-south, but here, the, this picture, the top is west, the bottom is east, to the right is north, to the left is south. Uh, and here we're showing this is the north section above the altar. Again, we're in the courtyard. And I don't know if you can see, but those gold lines are the rings. Do you remember that there are rings in the in the temple? Um, and these are the places where they would slaughter the animals. Um, so it says that the, the korban tamid of the morning was done. You can see it at the top of the right on the west side. Why? Because right, the sun rises in the east. So if the sun rises in the east, the rays are going to hit the west side. Uh, and therefore, um, the, the korban tamid of the morning is slaughtered on the west. And then the korban tamid of the afternoon is slaughtered on the east. That's at the bottom of your picture. Again, because the sun is setting on the west, the rays are coming from that side. So we need the word two every day to teach us where um, the korban tamid is, um, is slaughtered. Okay. Um, the goats of Yom Kippur, what happens? Okay, so um, I feel like the beginning of the Masechet was everything that has to happen. Now we're going to talk about what if what has to happen doesn't happen. So what happens if you took these goats and instead of slaughtering them in the courtyard, you actually slaughter them outside of the temple courtyard? This is what's called Shechitat Chutz. It is a uh, negative commandment, meaning it's a sin to slaughter an animal outside of the temple it's um right you're you're doing a temple service outside of the temple um so if you did it before the lottery so then you're liable for both of them because we haven't determined which one was going to get slaughtered and which one was going to be sent out um to the wilderness um but if you did it after the lottery then you're only liable for slaughtering the lahashem because that's the one that gets slaughtered, not the one that goes out, because that is not going to get um, slaughtered. 
Now, just to, to remind us for one minute, we didn't really learn this part yet, but the Seir La'azazel, that is actually sent out. We've, we've mentioned it a few times, but we haven't learned really what happens. It's sent out of the temple uh, courtyard. It crosses the valley into the next mountain, and they actually lead it into the desert, and it's pushed off of a mountain. Um, and there's a, a, a very big discussion about what is this, what is, what's happening, right? Is it a sacrifice, right? There's one opinion that it's, it's a sacrifice that's happening in the desert. But as we see, you're not supposed to sacrifice things in the desert. You're supposed to sacrifice things in the temple. So what's going on? Um, um, so I read actually a beautiful uh, idea someone quoted from Rav Soloveitchik that, um, again, this idea that the goats need to be identical and that one is going to be Hashem and one goes out to the wilderness. Um, Rav Soloveitchik talks about this idea of, um, of I would say, the, 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 a person's uh, choices or a person's, I, I don't want to use the word destiny yet, but right, a person uh, has two paths that one can take, right? Lehashem and staying in the temple or Azazel, right? To the, to the wilderness, right? To be led astray. Um, and interesting, uh, Rav Salvechik talked about this idea of, again, we take a, a lottery, a goral, right? So again, um, is it that we are totally destined to be you know, Hashem or Azazel, right? Is it, do I have no choice in the matter? Or, right, if I have no choice in the matter, then how am I held accountable? Um, or is it that I have um, total control? And then if I had total control, then I did what I did. How can I ask for atonement for it? Because I did the wrong thing. So how can you ask forgiveness for something that you chose to do? <clears throat> and he basically says, um, that Yom Kippur teaches us that it's somewhere in between, right? On the one hand, um, we, we have control over the things that we do. On the other hand, we have many desires that we don't have control over, even though we should have control over them. So I, I, it was a really beautiful idea of this idea of Hashem to end Azazel, them both being identical, um, and that it's, it's determined by a goral, right? By something that we don't have choice over, right? Uh, randomness, one can say, or chance. Um, but on the other hand, right, we need to take responsibility, right? We need to ask for atonement for the actions that we did. Um, so that was just a, a really beautiful idea that I thought that kind of uh, explains this, this idea of these two goats. Okay, so what happens if you, now we're on um, 63, um, if you shefted it, if you uh, slaughtered it outside before uh, they opened the doors to the temple, right? So then you would not be considered chayav, you wouldn't be considered liable because um, that is um, not the way we slaughter. The, the doors need to be open and we're lacking the action of opening the doors. Um, the same thing with the Pesach. If you remember, we, we spent quite a bit of time talking about um, slaughtering the Pesach, um, again, either outside or inside. And then the issue was uh, lishmo with the right intent or lo lishmo with the wrong intent. And then are you liable for that or not? Um, 
So the Gemara on 63 goes through all of those permutations. Uh, it might be that you're not liable at all. It might be that you're liable only in certain situations. Uh, and it might be that you're completely um, um, not liable at all um, because you had the wrong intent. Um, the same thing with the animal being too young. The Gemara discusses on 63 that you're not allowed to sacrifice an animal that is um, less than eight days old. Um, so if you did, uh, again, are you liable? Are you not liable? Um, okay. Um, uh, the, the Gemara then continues again uh, that, ah, so, uh, so again, here the Gemara is discussing if I have these two goats, one, are they both considered sacrifices, right? Again, one of them, obviously, La Hashem is a sacrifice, but is La Azazel, is it the one that's being sent out, is it considered a sacrifice? What's the practical application? application? Does it need to have all the criteria that a regular sacrifice has? Does it need to be uh, at least eight days old? Does it need to have certain sanctity? Uh, and the Gemara seems to say that it does, meaning again, it needs to be parallel. It is seen as a sacrifice, even though it's being sent out. Um, and again, uh, the Gemara discusses that um, if one of them dies and we bring another one without uh, without the lottery, again, can it be, now I'm bringing one instead of two, can it be less, right, can it be less than eight days old? But the Gemara says no, um, and it, it still needs to be like the, uh, like the other one, identical in the sense that it can be like a sacrifice. Um, so with that, uh, I wish everyone a, uh, a Shavua Tov. And uh, looking forward to our continued learning. So have a great week, everyone. Thank you for joining me, even though it was uh, not our usual time. And um, oh, I see Lynn asked a question. Is there any tradition that there were rings or posts in the Mishkan to keep the animals in place as done? Um, I did not, I do not know of this idea of rings because the rings were in the floor. Uh, again, the Mishkan, the tabernacle um, was definitely in the desert, very mobile. And even when it was in Israel, um, it was seen as temporary. So I don't know of these uh, rings being placed uh, in the Mishkan, uh, but it's a, it is an excellent question. Uh, I think it was only in the Beit HaMikdash. Um, Lisa's asking when we're meeting next. That is an excellent question. Um, there is a possibility that I might be taking uh, um, the next two weeks off for a little vacation and we'll only meet uh, it after that. Um, but I will send you an email to confirm. So please check your email um, and we will see when we will meet, meet we, when we will meet next. Uh, I will definitely send you an email and let you know. Uh, so thank you very much, everyone. Have a Shavua Tov and uh, thank you very much, everyone.